This is episode number 25, part three of Demona Hoffman and I have a podcast. Yo and hello, I am Vinny Podestivo. This is I Have a Podcast, and we have been talking to Demona Hoffman over these past few episodes. In fact, in our last one, we talked about ways to grow your audience. And one of the big takeaways for me was how important it is to listen. It's great to take constructive feedback. And I, I think it speaks volumes to the kind of podcaster and person that Demona is, someone who people obviously feel comfortable reaching out to and opening up with. Before being a rock star podcaster, Demona got her start in television as a producer and content developer, both of which helped her lay the foundation to her creative brand. I use my producing experience in television as well as in coaching clients. And it's a really, it's a very specific skill set. I feel like to do this on camera because I have to be a hundred percent present. I really feel like podcasting and doing my show live really helped me be able to do that for TV where I can stay right there with my client and I can really feel the moment too. And I can feel like for TV, like we want to see the emotions. So I know like I can fill this space and I can talk through it. Like if I were in a conversation with a friend and, and didn't want them to get too down or I can let the moment land and I can wait and I can ask one clarifying question that then brings the wash of emotions out of them. And that like, that's all I'm always wearing multiple hats. That, that That's kind of the, the, yeah. <laughs> the, tricky thing for me is that I, I'm always wearing my producer hat. I'm always wearing my coaching hat and I'm always wearing my hosting hat at the same time. And that's why I also feel like I, I, I know there's more TV in me <laughs> to be done, but in the meantime, I love yeah. getting to explore that on the podcast because it's a little bit like lower stakes space to, to sort of play and see see what I can learn and what I can share with the audience. No, I love that. You talk about, you know, just being able to be really present to do your craft, especially if you're doing it on camera. It's so important to be able to just be focused on your craft and not be thinking about, is my agent getting me my next gig? Is the merch coming out? Is my website, like all of that, is my next gig, is, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Are they going to ask me back? Like all of that noise that accompanies, you know, those opportunities to be able to like sort of laser in and focus and be present with those clients. Because if, if you're not, and we'll, we pick up on it, we're the HD cameras and, and our impeccable eyes, man, like our ears, we hear and see everything now that used to, you know, fly by us. Um, we got to work on a, a project over at FYA together in television. Um, you've talked about, you know, getting to be on the Drew Barrymore short. What's your advice for people who have a podcast who are looking to elevate um, and expand into larger media properties and looking for more coverage and looking for, to, to sort of grow their brand. Right. Well, it begins with the work that you're already doing. A, a lot of people are like, you know, they just see me on Drew Barrymore show or they see me on FYI and they're like, I want to do that. <laughs> they're just like, yeah. fast forward. But but one, I I laid the foundation for that in all the years that I was a producer on television. And I also have really built my on-camera brand incrementally. So I started out 
one, I was doing the podcast. So I had content that I was already creating for myself. So I had the experience, like whether you're doing this in your garage, <laughs> I know it sounds really glamorous, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you're doing this in your garage, you, you have a practicing ground where you can, you can hone your skill to be able to, to take it anywhere that you want it to go. And so I was doing that, but at the same time, I was pitching for news stories and just to be able, like, if you can do a local news segment and you get four minutes to get five talking points out, then you could, you can do a television show more than likely. And you have to, but you have to build in a place where the stakes aren't so high. So initially I was spending my own time and money. I would drive out to Palm Springs two hours from where I am, but a smaller market. And they'd say, I have the 5 a.m. segment. And I'd say, I'll take it. Like put myself up in a hotel, use my my hotel points and just make it happen. I drive to San Diego. And after doing that so many times, then I had a reel to be able to pitch myself for bigger opportunities and bigger opportunities. Also, Vinny, I have used my podcast as an opportunity to build relationships with the people that I would like to know. So I didn't, I didn't get this LA Times column just by like pitching myself and submitting, you know, open queries. <laughs> I was like, I love the, I, I love the LA Times. It's my home paper. Wouldn't it be cool if I had one of the editors on my show to talk about, you know, the, the, um, they have a column where people like tell their, their, their romance stories. And I was like, I'll have her on. She can talk about her stories. And then if there's a, an opportunity for us to collaborate, then we can. And Three I'm always playing the long game. I'm always playing. I'm always playing the long game. I'm always building relationships for the long term. I'm never like, what do I, what can I get? What can I get from you? You know, <laughs> like, I'm sure you dealt with a lot of, a lot of talent that is just like, like Vinny, you are the chair. You are the chair that will get me into the network. Right. And that's just never been my philosophy from the time I was an assistant at CBS to the time I was an executive. And I still have people that have given me opportunities now that I worked with when I was when I was an assistant. Um, so I just always look at building the relationship. And from that from that episode, I was able to foster a relationship and ultimately turn it into a column. And yeah. so I never, I never know where it's headed, but if you're staying present and if you're really focusing on connecting to a person and maintaining the relationship, you can build from wherever you are. And so, so you're using that first sort of direction and then you're nurturing these ideas in a really steady incremental ways so that they're, it's really sort of growing into its own strength as opposed to maybe a pre a preconceived notion of where you, what you wanted it to be versus like what you're hearing from feedback and as the words and leave your mouth and hit your ears and you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I maybe I quite didn't think what I thought <laughs> there. And it's also going back and re-listening to the interviews that I've done. Like I study myself. I, I'm like, oh, okay. You, you weren't smiling and on camera that didn't look like you wanted to be there. So you need to smile a little bit. More. There's one clip that... <laughs> 
<laughs> always makes me giggle, where a, a host completely botched my introduction. Like she had no idea what it was saying. And she's like not paying attention to the commas. And and I, I, I didn't know the camera was on me because I was just like listening to her like botch it. And my face, I don't know if anyone else could read my face, but my face was like, what the hell is this lady saying? <laughs> and it's so obvious to me now. But like, like Ashton at the Kutcher, time, come out. Where are you? Oh no! <laughs> and I'm getting but punked. Like my face was so like I could read my face from a mile away in HD, of course. That's so, so funny. I learned from That's that. Hysterical. I was just like, okay, you have to assume, like, because you never know when they're going to switch to cameras, right? So if you're doing live television, so you have to assume that the camera is always on you. Assume that the mic is all always hot <laughs> like there are a lot of people that haven't yeah. learned that lesson yet <laughs> so that's that was where I that's true. where I begin and then I every time I show up on set no matter what I'm doing if it's a five-minute news segment or it's a an episode of television one I I practice my talking points like I know exactly what I'm talking about I, I'd never go in there half-assed. There's no small opportunity because you never know who's going to be watching. You never know where that clip might end up. And I, my goal is always like, do a, do a great job so they will ask you back. I never go into any opportunity thinking I'm going to do this once. And sometimes I've only done it once, but more than, more often than not, I show up, I'm prepared, I'm camera ready. I know my stuff and I smile <laughs> And more often than not, then when I follow up, they're like, we'd love to have you back again. Yeah. Only one so far. So far. That's all. <laughs> right. It's right. Exactly. It's, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty hard to get asked to do something, to be really honest and to be very transparent. It's even more difficult to get asked back. Right. So like as difficult as it is for the initial um, opportunity, it's even more difficult for producers to be able to say, hey, that was great. We'd love to have you back. We've been in the rooms when those conversations happen. So yes. to, to, to use that opportunity and to know that everyone from the producer to the director that's going to be part of what you're doing is rooting for you because the easier you make their job, the quicker they'll have you come back. That's the thing. I always think, how, and I always say this to producers too. Maybe this is why I get asked back. I say, my job is to make your job easy. My job is to make you look good. So I make sure that I'm fully prepared and fully present in the thing that I'm working on. I'm not thinking about getting the next gig in the moment that I'm there. I'm thinking about do the best job. And then as soon as that's over, I start thinking about what's the next thing. So I'm also, Vinny, always thinking about what's the next angle. Like that, and this is another thing I probably picked up from even from casting and being a development executive. Like you might come in the room and pitch your idea and I'm like, oh, well, I like you. The idea is not so right, but you know, you seem like a good producer who I'd want to work with. What else you got? And if people are like, nothing. You're like, thank you very much. And it was nice yeah, to meet oh, you. Man. <laughs> like you got, you've got to always have three ideas in your back yeah. pocket. So even if I'm going in for this one segment, I already know in my head what the next three segments possibly could be. And you also have to get a really thick skin for no's. I, I hear no way more often than I hear yes. And that was a really hard transition for me coming from being a network executive. People told me it was going to be hard. 
And I was like, nah, I got this. I got this. I have a thick skin. And when you're in the network executive chair and you're the one that's saying yes or no, and then you go to pitching ideas and pitching yourself and it's no, 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 no. You really have to develop that that ability to persevere and know that your worth is not tied to the yes or the no. Absolutely. And even then, by the way, saying no as an exec, as a casting director, unfortunately, you know, I actually really don't say no. I would just say it wasn't the right opportunity. Um, but if we're talking about decisions, unfortunately, in casting, I say no, even probably more than the network does because of the amount of people that we meet in the siphoning that we're doing. And even that is traumatic, to be really honest to be blunt and, and, and honest about the casting experience as an executive on this side, it's not fun saying no. It's not fun not finding what people want you to find. It's not fun when it doesn't work out the way you want it to. It's not fun. It's especially not fun when the person is the right person, but they just don't have everything together yet. And you're like, mm. oh, you're going to give me, do I got some time? <laughs> Can I fix your Wikipedia? Can I get you a podcast? You need a book? What do I got to? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I've seen that too. And and I've also seen for, for particularly for actors, I, I, w- I would often hear this mentality that casting directors were just all so mean and they just like, they hate actors. <laughs> and I'm like, we have to really reframe our thinking about that. Like, I think the gatekeepers get villainized a lot because you, you like hold people's destiny in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Right. But I would always remind them like the, their job is to find the right person for this role. And they want nothing more than for you to be great. They want nothing more than for you to be the solution to the problem that they have. And maybe they've seen 70 people already today and they're a little bit tired and they they can't like this is the thing you've been looking forward to all week. This is like they know in two minutes if you are the one or not. And it's not it's not you can't take it personally. And I know this from being now on both sides. It's so hard to do it. But if you if you kind of see the best in people and not look at it like they're creating the wall for you, they're creating the opportunity when it's the right time, then um, then you can see the path forward instead of the obstacle. Yeah, I love that. When you're focused on the opportunity instead of the obstacles, for sure. In fact, to be honest, at the end of a casting day, I'm thinking about seeing 70 people. The thing, I'm actually, uh, my cheeks hurt because of smiling all day long, like, you know, that super, I'm giving you every inch of white teeth whitening power I've possibly <laughs> got, like a care, it's my Care Bear stare. <laughs> um, I, I'm projecting so much energy in those castings too. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and and it's, it's casting's responsibility just to set the room and the tone, you know, the room tone to make sure that, you know, everyone really can be at their best. Um, but uh, to step into the room knowing that the casting is the one person in the industry who's like literally paid to make you look great and to find you like the it's not the producer, the agent, the manager, the director, wardrobe. It's none of those people. Now they can do it, but they're just not hired to do it. And that's where casting really stands out. Um, mm-hmm. um, I love that. Well, I love that this like special skill of yours, like connecting with people and and like listening to your story and listening to theirs and putting it together. I love that it's created this 
this interesting world around you. And finally, in 2021, everyone's like, oh, what you do, it makes total sense. But like, you've been doing this for 10 years. And for 10 years, you're like, does anyone know? What- <laughs> does anyone understand? <laughs> Completely. Like, I didn't, I would never get a mention for my podcast on air when I would do a segment, you know, they'd be like, like, you said, do you have a book? Do you have like, what are your credentials? <laughs> are you on a list? <laughs> and, do you got a Twitter account? Something? <laughs> something. And like about, I would say two and a half years ago, they started embracing, like I'm talking days, mainstream media, like saying Damona Hoffman, host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Now it's actually... It's actually like a notch on my belt as opposed to like, oh, we're not going to say that. But the the big thing that I often tell people, I, I've spoken on how to like build your brand and get publicity because um, I really, I've really gotten dates and mates to where it is pretty much on my own. Um, I have a podcast publicist now who helps me book, um, book interviews on uh, guest interviews on shows. But for the, a long time, it was just me hoofing it. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing yeah, that, uh, yeah, the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize when they are doing promo interviews is like, it's your job to promote your stuff. It's not the host's job. Like so many times I would hear from people like, oh, I went on and then like, they didn't ask me anything about this. And I never got to say that I have a podcast or a book or whatever. And I'm like, that's your fault. I like, it's not up to them to steer the conversation to the thing you want to talk about. It's up to you. And this is a hard skill to develop, but it's really important to like, see how to weave your, your story and the thing that you are promoting into the conversation that you're having on your own without having to be prompted by the host. Well, as you said earlier, just many, many hats, many, you know, opportunities and and going in and knowing what you want out of it is why it's even more important because people will take you along for the ride and they'll take you on their journey and they'll want to jump on yours. But like, you know, when, when, when we see these actors sitting down at junkets and we hear them repeating the same thing over and over again, and we flip the channels and we say, why do they say the same thing over and over again? Because if they would have said like what oatmeal they were eating, that's what the news would have covered. It would, they would have not have covered the point of the entire press junket, which is, you know, watch the movie. Yeah. What is it about? Because hmm. uh, too many people are like Dates starting podcasts meets. that are just hmm. like, I'm inter- I'm interesting. And my friend is funny. And we're just going to talk about stuff. Eh, that's not a podcast. <laughs> that is that is happy hour at your house. <laughs> what is the angle? What's your point of view? I think there's enough room for everybody at the table, but you got to know like which chair you're sitting in. That's it. I love it. And for people who are who have been listening to us talk about dates and mates, when, where, how can they find it in you and all of your awesomeness? Well, thank you for asking. What a wonderful host to tee up my <laughs> my promotion. Uh, dates and Mates is a, a podcast on all of the major podcast platforms. It is not your mama's love advice. So that is the angle. And uh, we talk to everyone from magazine editors to authors to love experts to celebrities about uh, how to find love in the modern world. And then I also do the I Make a Living podcast, which uh, is coming back in late April. And that's for entrepreneurs, freelancers, side hustlers, anyone who's trying to make their own way in business. I mean, all of us. 
That's everybody. Basically, it's for everybody. I love (laughs) that. And then I'm on all the socials at my name, at Damona Hoffman. Well, you're awesome. And thank you so much for carving out time to connect with me on this and and just sharing your energy. And I just, you know, I'm in this space. And as I figure out, you know, my footing, I just love figuring out who my neighbors are and what energy is out there. And I do believe in finding love online. I met my man online um, 10 years ago. um, And I've used... I've been finding people online. I've turned that into a career. So like, um, <laughs> I fully believe in like what you're doing. And I just love the narrative that you've put to it in, in a really, you know, um, I don't want to say provocative, but in, 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 a, in a pushing way where, um, where you show up and you make people think, and I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's an honor to know you and I am really excited to be on this journey with you. So thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for listening to I Have a Podcast. For more information about today's episode, visit us at IHaveAPodcast.com. If you like what you've heard, follow us or subscribe to be notified of our next episode. And we appreciate any kind reviews.